From the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. 
I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the Solemnity of Pentecost, which is also the end of the Easter season. So I figure I'd start with the bummer part of it first. It's the end of the Easter season. Tomorrow we return to ordinary time. Although now we have a beautiful feast day that's always the Monday after Pentecost, which is the feast of Mary, Mother of the Church. And it commemorates the fact that Acts of the Apostles tells us that Mary was in the upper upper room praying with the disciples when the event of Pentecost happened today. So when we recall the, the, the memorial of Pentecost, we recall a beautiful event in the life of the church, an event that even now not only inspires us, but gives us a renewed vigor in our own mission in the church today. And it also reminds us of the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost reminds us of that special outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that day. That moment when our Lord has ascended into, into the heaven and the promise that he made in the gospel today becomes fulfilled. He says, when the advocate comes who I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will testify to me. He talks about the fact that I have more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. Every Sunday in solemnity, as part of the creed, We say, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Because we believe that when our Lord ascended into heaven, ten days later, Pentecost happened, and he sent the Holy Spirit along with the Father, because it was the moment where the church was going to carry on the mission of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see the first fledgling steps of that journey in the entire book of the Acts of the Apostles. We see a special protagonism on the part of the Holy Spirit. There are moments where Paul thinks of going in one place and the Holy Spirit says, nope, go over here. I want to go to Bithynia. Nope, go to Macedonia. They talk about the fact that when Peter goes into the house of of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, which for an observant Jew, you do not do that. You don't go into the house of a Gentile that renders you ritually unclean. But he had a vision that told him to go there. And when he went in the presence of Cornelius, Cornelius showed that the Holy Spirit came down upon him, which was that sign to Peter that Cornelius and his household should be baptized, and that not just the Jews, but also all the peoples are meant to receive the gospel and be saved, something that for the Jews at the time was unheard of, but was in the spirit that the apostles started to realize how their moment of putting the gospel into practice once the Lord had ascended into heaven should take place. So on Pentecost, we remind ourselves of that beautiful moment where the Holy Spirit makes this amazing manifestation, and he comes down and he inspires our first shepherds of the church, the apostles, to go out and start proclaiming the good news without fear. Because we remember right before the moment in the Acts of the Apostles today, they are locked up in the upper room for fear of the Jews. But they are doing what the Lord told him as he was ascending into heaven. He said, wait, and you will receive power from on high. And on the day of Pentecost, that power was received from on high. 
The second thing we celebrate today is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? People use a language where they talk about Pentecost as the birthday of the church. And in a certain sense, you can say that in the sense that the baton was passed by our Lord onto the apostles, and they really not only received that mandate to go out and start sharing the gospel, but they were also strengthened in the Spirit to do it as well. But the Holy Spirit, like all the persons of the Holy Trinity, are behind everything that God does. Sometimes we simply attribute it a little more to one of the persons of the Holy Spirit. But since we know it's one God in three persons, we know that God is at work in everything the Holy Spirit does. God is at work in everything that the Father ordains and plans and does. God is at work in everything that our Lord does. And we see that from the very moment of our Lord's incarnation. We see when the angel Gabriel explains to Mary, the Spirit, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You will conceive of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is present even then, making the incarnation possible, that our Lord should assume human flesh, should be born of a human woman, so that he can redeem us through his humanity and also heal and restore and elevate our humanity as well. In Eastern Christianity, they talk about what we receive through baptism and stuff as a sort of divinization. And it's in the power of the Spirit that it takes place. We celebrate the gift of the Spirit who does so many things for us. The sacraments work because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many times in celebrations of the sacraments and the liturgies, you will see the celebrant make this gesture. And it's called an epicletic gesture, which means an invocation, a summoning, a calling upon something. In the Eucharistic prayer today, the second time I do that is what's called the epiclesis. And you'll notice in the prayers, I'm talking about the Spirit to come down upon those gifts so that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. In my ordination, the bishop laid hands upon me so that the Holy Spirit would come down and make me a priest of Jesus Christ so I could celebrate the sacraments for you all. In confirmation, the coming of the Holy Spirit, usually when the anointing happens, there's that gesture where the bishop kind of touches you on the top of the head while he's anointing you with the thumb. Because we see it narrated in the Acts of the Apostles how they placed hands upon people to give them the gift of the Spirit. Now, the Second Vatican Council in Lumen Gentium had a very beautiful description of this when it talked about the fact, if I remember right, it was Lumen Gentium 12, it talked about the fact that alongside with the ministries, alongside with the sacraments, alongside with the virtues, that the Spirit also gave hierarchical and charismatic gifts. That's the way he, they, they described it in the Second Vatican Council. And so when we think about gifts of the Holy Spirit, we think about charisms, right? We hear about that, that simply charism is a description of any gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, with that language of the Second Vatican Council, it reminded us how active the Spirit is in so many ways. Sometimes when I think about the presence of the Spirit in the church, I'm reminded of a power plant. You know, you see those enormous power plants, and there's all these buildings and transformers, and you kind of hear this hum, and you can only imagine how much power is being generated there and being put out, but in a way that's almost imperceptible. And the Holy Spirit is like that. As I already described, he powers the sacraments, he powers the ministries and things like that. And through the hierarchical gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, we believe that our sacred ministers carrying on that church ministry that Jesus had entrusted to the apostles, they have the guidance of the Holy Spirit to carry on faithfully tradition, to see not only what is the gospel, 
but how the gospel should be applied in every situation. That that power of sanctification comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And those moments when decisions need to be made for the good of the church, that pastoral guidance, the Holy Spirit helps us in that process. And it is a great gift to be aware of that, because we have seen what some Protestant denominations don't believe in so much, what happens. It's not a surprise that once Christianity divided, unfortunately, it just kept dividing and dividing and dividing. Why? In part, because assemblies of believers started thinking, hey, it's just a matter of opinion and agreeing what we think is the way the gospel should be lived, the way the gospel should be applied. When difference of opinions came, pop, another Christian denomination. There's certain Christians now that say, don't call me any denomination. I don't even want to be considered a denomination. The Holy Spirit, as we've seen today, unites us. Not only individually does it come in our hearts and sanctify us and ensure our gift for the Holy Spirit, but it also unites us as the people of God. We're individually temples of the Holy Spirit through our baptism, but also we are the temple of the Holy Spirit as a church. And that unity is a call to the entire world to come together in that unity that God wishes for it. Because all of the divisions and all of the misunderstandings from the beginning are a consequence of sin. In Pentecost, we see the event of the Tower of Babel being reversed by the Holy Spirit. In the Tower of Babel in the Old Testament, a bunch of prideful men said, we can build ourselves to something that is as high as God in the heavens are. And the Lord struck them down in their pride and divided them because they couldn't understand each other, they couldn't communicate. So when we see this miracle of the languages in Pentecost today, we see the Holy Spirit reverses that. And the Holy Spirit always seeks to unite us, unite us around our Lord, and through uniting us around our Lord to reconcile us with the Father. And with those hierarchical gifts of the Holy Spirit, the church is watched over, tradition is maintained and preserved and transmitted. But then we have to talk about those charismatic gifts as well. Because unfortunately, some people see hierarchy and institution as opposed to charism and you have to be more free and loose and life in the spirit and all that stuff. There's some authors I've studied a little bit in my doctoral stuff. I'm not going to go all theological on you. I'll try not to go all theological on you. But what they claim is like, oh, well, you know, the institutional church, like the Palestinian church is the first Christians. That's how they organize themselves. But look at Paul's church. Paul's, they were all free and they were loose and they had all these charisms and spirits and ministries and they just did all kinds of things in the spirit. So obviously that's a valid model too. But we come back to that number of Lumen Gentium. Both of those gifts, the gift of the hierarchy of our bishops, priests, and deacons, the Holy Spirit helping them in their ministry, and those charismatic gifts as Paul reminds us today in the second reading, come from one spirit. So if they contradict each other, there's a problem. But we have to also acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is always trying to step beyond, always trying to lead us beyond in building on what has come before. So there are those needs for that moment of inspiration, that moment of impulse like we celebrate today when we celebrate the event of Pentecost. And in the case of those charismatic gifts, we acknowledge the fact that the Holy Spirit is characterized by his freedom to generously lavish those gifts upon his church as he sees fit. Some of those gifts are individual gifts. Okay, the term charismatic, it's not by chance that it kind of comes from the fact that they acknowledge that somebody has something that other people don't. But a charismatic gift, as understood here, goes much deeper. It can be an individual gift, but these gifts of the Holy Spirit are always meant to help build up the church. 
And some of those gifts become a gift that the Holy Spirit grants to a group of people. And that's why we have Franciscans today. We have Dominicans. We have Legionaries of Christ as part of an ecclesial movement like Regnum Christi. We have Communion and Liberation. Because all of those groups, presenting it to the church, believe that they have received a charism to contribute something unique to the building up of the church. Not detracting from the gospel that our Lord has shared of it. It's not that everybody's obliged to receive those things. But the Holy Spirit sends help in every moment when she has some special mission that she needs help in accomplishing for the benefit of the faithful to accomplish that mission. For the Franciscans, it was a radical experience of poverty in a moment of the church where people were very weighed down on wealth and status and things like that, and they needed to go back to that gospel simplicity and poverty. For the Dominicans, it was a moment where there just wasn't good doctrine out there, and they needed good preaching, good solid preaching, to help people to reground themselves in the truth that had been transmitted and to go on. For the Jesuits, it was a moment of missionary dynamism dynamism and impulse that was able to face the challenges of that day. We in Regnum Christi believe that we're called to help our Lord extend his kingdom throughout the world and to form others to be able to extend his kingdom as well. Each one of us receives those gifts of the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church. And the way we ensure that they are gifts of the Holy Spirit, because some people can be very charismatic in the secular sense of the word, very talented, is we believe that those charismatic gifts are presented to the hierarchy of the church to say, okay, this looks authentic, because we believe that they are helped by the Holy Spirit to do that. So it is submitted to the shepherds of the church so that they can say, not only is this charism authentic, but we see that it should be lived out in this way for the good of the church. And in that way, it's ensuring that all those gifts are coming from that one spirit. Because John tells us one of those, le- one of those letters, you have to test all the spirits to see if they are from God. And that's not only a moment of discernment in our own lives, but it's also a moment where if we receive a charism or we think we should live in it in some way, we present ourselves to the church because them helped by the Holy Spirit can help us to see what we need to do or maybe what we need to not do. So as we continue this celebration of the Eucharist, let's thank our Lord once again for the gift of his Spirit. We are about to profess in a few moments that the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life. And we've prayed and sung so much in these readings, even at this first part of the liturgy, about renewing the face of the earth. Let's thank the Holy Spirit for coming down upon us and continually renewing us. Let's pray for our shepherds that they may consider to be docile to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And let's ask the Holy Spirit as well in the few moments of silence after communion to help us to see how he wants to work and act in our lives so that we can truly live a life of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifests Christ to us, recalls his words, and opens our minds to the Paschal mystery. Rejoicing in the Spirit, we pray. That the Holy Spirit, who makes present the mystery of Christ, will reconcile all people and bring them into communion with God and his Church. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Holy Spirit, the Father of the poor, will show his richness to all those in need. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have grown lukewarm in their faith, that the Holy Spirit will drive out the torpor of coldness and rekindle the desire of heaven. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all our relationships will be deepened and made holy through the Holy Spirit. 
the bond of love in the Blessed Trinity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the marginalized, the doubt-ridden, and those on the verge of despair, that the peace of the Spirit will bring them to new life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the grace this week to live with the joy and peace bestowed on us by the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are ill and have asked for our prayers, may all who suffer be comforted by our love and concern and by God's healing touch. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the deceased members of our families, friends, and members of our parish, eternal rest grant unto them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. Now let us sing Christus Vincent.